Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source for insights and best practices on the digital transformation of healthcare. Join host Patty Patmanaban, CEO of Demo Consulting and best-selling author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how consumerism, technology, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with healthcare and technology leaders. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back. It is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Dr. Mark Wiseman, CIO of Tidal Health. Mark, such a pleasure to have you on our show. Welcome. Thanks, Patty. Appreciate the chance to come on your show and introduce myself to your audience. So why don't we get started? Tell us a little bit about Tidal Health and uh, also your role and uh, what you're responsible for in the organization. Certainly. Tidal Health is two hospital health system on the eastern shore of Maryland. We tend to be fairly rural, roughly 400 beds or so filled up with COVID patients like everyone else right about now. And we're growing. I would call us a growing health system. We continue to acquire practices. Practices are coming to us looking for help because of, I think, some of the financial pressures in the market now. And we're definitely busy. So I became CIO in August. I was the CMIO, been at Title Health about three years now. And it's been a very interesting couple of months here since becoming the, the CIO. This, there's, uh, there's plenty of work to do. How did being a CMIO prepare you for this role, if in any way it did help at all? It did help. So my initial focus as a CMIO was, how do I make the lives of the doctors better? And that kind of grew up into a little bit, well, I can do more than just help doctors. We can help the the nurse practitioners, the nurses, the physical therapists, and we really can make the, the electronic health record easier for a lot of people. And that was very exciting. That was fun to do, and people really enjoyed that. We still have a lot of work to do there. We're not perfect, but certainly is better. The opportunity came up for me to lead the, the EPIC application teams, and so that was about half of IT. And just being an epic, the, the number of analysts is just unbelievable. But we had a good team and we did some great things. And so they gave me the opportunity to, to do the CIO role. I still have the CMIO role, so I do both. The challenges, of course, being in the CMIO role is that, hey, there's, there's some tech part to this CIO piece that I have to get up to speed on very quickly. I got the epic thing. I got the medical part, the operations part. Yeah, I can do that. That's not hard. I think you're being modest when you say the tech part uh, is new because I do know that you've been involved in tech for a while, for a decade, if not more. So you're kind of unique in the sense of uh, being a physician, but also deeply immersed in the in the tech world. So now that you're actually in charge of the tech as CIO, uh, tell us a little bit about what are your top priorities right now? The organization is in pretty good shape in terms of infrastructure. It's not like the network's going down. And I get to focus on some of the more fun things, actually. The table stakes are in there, but we do have some challenges around access and provisioning, which 
is a pain point for operations. They're like, every time we bring someone into the organization, we can't seem to get their access right. They're on their first shift and it's not good and they can't get in. They can't see what they have to see. I really want to make that better. I think that that goes along with my initial mantra of, of let's make the EHR better for everyone. This is just a piece of it, but it's an important piece. And let's also take out the people who haven't been with our organization for years. They probably shouldn't have access anymore, things like that. So I do get to focus on that. There are some other security issues that I, I get to focus in on, but again, we're not in bad shape in that area. Playing around in the automation space has been the most, I think, exciting part that's energizing me the most. I'm helping others be more efficient, but it might be in finance, in an area where I've never had the opportunity to help out. It might be in the scanning of papers in for HIM. We're going to look to automate that with some new technology. Those kinds of things, I've never had a chance to play in that space before. I'm just able to help a bigger part of the population. And that's what's cool about being the CIO is that I can get to, I get to do more. You mentioned access, and that uh, takes us to the topic of digital health as well, because, uh, you know, for patient access today, most health systems, if not all, are considering some form of uh, virtual telehealth, digital health access, and also potentially in delivering care using some of the digital modalities, especially remote monitoring and so on. So can you talk to us a little bit about whether, you know, what you're doing in that space? So I'll tell you, our digital journey started with it's epic. It's my chart. We'll just put the portal out there. We didn't put anything really exciting on the portal. So, gee, no one really went to it. How about that? Yeah. So in November of 2019, I sat down with our executive leadership and I said, here's a good timeline. Here's what I think we should do. And let's go ahead and put, let's put our, all our notes out there. Let's put all of our labs out there. Let's give them a reason to go to the patient portal. And that started out, and one of the decisions that was made at that time is this telehealth thing. We're not going to do that. That's just not on our roadmap right now. We're going to focus on some other pieces of the digital experience. Well, as you know what happened, yeah. <laughs> there's a little change in the plan there. So, yes, we went with uh, a telehealth provider, went with Zoom, and we then got into telehealth and a little bit more of digital customer engagement around that part. The area which I, I found us to be a little bit weak on was in appointment reminders. Still doing the office, picking up the phone, dialing, get the next person, dial, leave a message. And so not very modern. And so I was happy to be able to bring in a solution. We're using Freesia. They will send out by text message and we can control the frequencies of the text and the messaging, things that we really weren't able to do as well trying to unload this off of the, the front desk staff so they could be more efficient. And we were finding that our front desk staff were reaching out to over 50% of the patients. They never got to them all. The no-show rate was high. And now that's that's starting to come way, way, way down. We just turned this on like a week ago. So we're, we're immediately seeing results. We're very happy about that. So that's our digital journey right now has been to get that better access. I can't say though that we're doing the online appointment scheduling and those pieces, but it's still through the portal. And there's more to digital experience in the portal. We're not quite there yet. Not yet. Getting there. And, and how have the physicians responded to uh, digital engagement? They fought it tooth and nail when it came to certain pieces, like releasing all labs in real time, 
releasing Pathology. That was a horror show. And when we did that, I got one phone call in six months. That's been it. I'm sure there's been others who have had questions or concerns, but it became easier when the government kind of said, you're going to do this. So, okay. That did help with some buy-in and acceptance. The doctors were initially a little skeptical about telehealth. And then there were the early adopters who jumped on it during the pandemic, did very well. Some waited for our tools, some didn't. Some just went out and got their own tools and started doing telehealth. They wanted to see their patients. I applaud that. I thought it was great. Now we're seeing a lot less. We're under 10%. We're on six, between four and 6% now of our visits are going by telehealth. The doctors are driving a lot of that. Don't underestimate how resilient healthcare can be to change. And the doctors like seeing people in person where it is things built around the doctor, not so much built around the patient. Healthcare will go back to the way it always was without some other mandate kind of pushing it along. What about the patients themselves? You mentioned that you serve a largely rural population. Does it have any kind of a bearing on uh, your adoption rates, for instance, for uh, digital health tools? It does. In the beginning of the pandemic, we suffered with broadband congestion and poor connectivity. The final mile killed us. And we were facing 20% failure rates on video calls. Either inability to establish, patient didn't know what to do, the technology wasn't easy, or they just didn't have the bandwidth. And they became very frustrated. So I think that has played a big role and that's rural healthcare in America. I believe that that is, we're not unique in that regard. We do not have broadband to all of our population. We don't have great cell signal to some parts of our population. They're really isolated. So, and that tends to be, of course, the ones who need it the most. It tends to be the, the underserved and they tend to have a lot of both physical and mental health issues. They would really benefit from this we tried to speak with the carriers. We spoke with Verizon and they're like, we have the best coverage in the country. Well, I get that. Great. But in this little rural pocket, it's not so good. We need help. And it's just not realistic. I guess until the government coughs up the billions of dollars it's going to take to get broadband everywhere it needs to be, that the rural areas are struggling. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. It looks like the pandemic, of course, like it did to many other health systems, accelerated some of the shift towards digital and tidal health and uh, in a positive way. And it's still early days yet, so you're still waiting to see how the numbers shape up, but the early signs are all good. Now, let's link it back to your work as CMI. It was all about data analytics. Can you help our listeners understand how you're bringing the two worlds together to really use the data and analytics capability to drive more of your digital engagement, if you will? I got into data, Patty, because I always wanted to win the arguments and the one with the data wins the arguments. So that still applies. When I'm going to remember that one. I'm going to remember <laughs> that quote for, for future use. Please. It go works. Ahead. <laughs> when I present to the doctors, hey, this is the, the number of patients who are self-scheduling now and the numbers were going up. They were like, okay, we're kind of getting used to that. That's okay. But then some would come and say, this is horrible. The patient's scheduled in the wrong time slot. This happens all the time. We have to rip it out. Pull up the data and said, okay, it happened twice in the last six months. And then I don't hear from them again. So 
data will really help drive doctors when they go with the, it always happens or it's never good. And you can, you can show the data. We are showing that more patients are checking in online, more patients are switching appointments, finding their doctor. The data speaks to that. And I can help convince some of our executives, not just doctors, you know, why are we investing in this? Why do we need our website to be something that brings in patients? Patients know how to find us. It's a rural area. Where else are they going to go? Well, they want to connect to us through our website. That's how they want to reach us. So we're working on that. That's great. That's great. Now, you mentioned a couple of uh, partnerships that you have entered into to drive some of your digital initiatives. Now, the marketplace is full of innovative solutions. There's hundreds, if not thousands of them, very often with overlapping capabilities. It can make things uh, pretty confusing for, for a CIO looking to harness the right tool to drive your transformation forward. How do you keep yourself abreast of what is working and what is not? Do you go to your peer groups? Uh, can you walk us through how you go through the thought process of evaluating and uh, really picking vendors that you want to talk to? Well, it's easy. I just look at my email because that's the <laughs> best way to reach me. No, that don't air that. <laughs> that is not true. Um, uh, so it does come a lot from colleagues and recommendations. I still am a part of the CMIO forums and the uh, uh, AMDIS group is, is pretty close. So I'll ask questions there and get some recommendations periodically. I went to Chime for the first time and had a wonderful experience interacting with other CIOs. Found a whole bunch of other physician CMIOs, which is very helpful to because they, they've walked in the shoes, so they know. And gee, just some of the other technologies that come about, you'll read about, you'll hear about, I'll hear about them on other podcasts. So I can't say there's a magic answer of one way to stay abreast of, of this stuff. You're right, though. There are so many vendors it's overwhelming and there's a lot of overlap and sometimes it's it's got to be brutally hard for others to differentiate themselves price obviously speaks volumes in these kinds of times our budget is just trashed now we got to totally slash it every every penny we find we hope goes to finding good nurses that's that's what we need right now so the vendors that can that can help us with that problem are are very helpful for us now, do you go with an EHR first uh, strategy when it comes to turning on any new capability? And uh, how do you see them coming along when it comes to these kinds of newer capabilities? Interesting question. So the Epic App Orchard is definitely a tool that I will go looking for through to, to find vendors because I know, I know certain hurdles have already been covered. Yeah. I know that I don't have to go and try to introduce this vendor to Epic and let them start working out that partnership. It also means they probably have hit a certain level of maturity because they're not getting into the Epic App Store without, without some basic security and other pieces in place. So there is some comfort to that. Absolutely. It's also somewhat limiting. I'm not sure we get to all the best vendors that we could ever want by only looking in the App Orchard. Certainly, We'll think about that interoperability, that integration. I don't want people going, my own people, going into a portal, into out of their workflow. So if we're talking about a tool that is for clinicians, yes, I'm going to go EHR first. Try not to do the bolt-ons. If it's finance, they're never in Africa. <laughs> they don't care. They want, they want the best solution. So 
I'd also like to get to more unified solutions. We have a ton of little silos and they're very difficult to understand how to run your business without the data even being able to flow back and forth to understand the impact between the census went up, how many nurses do we need? How many nurses do we have? How many are on standby? Without all those pieces connecting, it's very, very difficult. So in that way, what is your advice to startups or health tech companies who want to make contact with you, who want to be a part of your journey? Do you tell them, go get certified in App Orchard first? Or do, what is your advice? Well, like most CIOs, I learned at Chime, going out to dinner and, and, and getting lots of drinks tends to help you make deals. Um, so, <laughs> no, that's not, the, that's not the right answer. But my goodness, the, the vendors were certainly... They were there. They were engaging. They were not overly sales oriented. They, of course, that's their business. That's why they're there. But the ones I like to connect with were the ones who came with the genuine partnership piece. And I have heard from others. Yes, this is a real vendor connection. They're not there to, to sell you one. There was one uh, vendor who I'm very interested in working with, their consulting firm. And they have people on their staff who do nothing but technology advisors. They're not trying to sell you anything. They're just there to help you. And then, oh, by the way, yeah, we've got this, you know, sales arm and, and other pieces to what they do. But I'm very intrigued by that. And that's a sign of a partnership. They want me to call them up, pick their brain, and there's no charge for that. Okay, that's helpful. And maybe they can guide me through some things or guide me towards solutions that they've seen work for others. So yeah, no, that's good. That's good advice. You mentioned Chime a couple of times. Of course, we met at Chime. This was a few weeks back. And I will certainly pass on the feedback to the folks at Chime that, that uh, your first Chime was a successful one from, from the sound of it. And you really had a really good interactions. Now, we're coming up pretty much to the close of our time here on this podcast. I have to ask you about your podcast. You've been one of my favorite podcasters, and I've had the honor of being on your podcast as well. So now that you're CIO, do you have time for the podcast? Are you going to be doing more? Where, where are we headed with that? I want to. CMIO podcast, it was a ton of fun and awesome at educating me and learning what others are doing and just making connections. Many of whom I ran into over the last two, three weeks over at Chime. That was fantastic. Just meeting a lot of the people who I interviewed. The time is a challenge now that I'm doing both the CIO and the CMIO role. So I ha I've been a delinquent, for, as my listeners would know. I haven't put out content in quite some time. But there were some people who I ran into who were like, yeah, we, we should do some things and get back on the air. And I would like to do that. So it's not dead. It's just on a little pause while I get my team, how, how I'd like to have things, and just convince the leadership team that we're stable and everything's going to be fine. Well, it's just a hiatus. We'll put it that way. Yes, it's a temporary exactly. hiatus. Well, Mark, it's such a pleasure catching up with you again and uh, all the best in your new role. Uh, sounds like you've got a lot of exciting things going on. We should uh, catch up again, maybe a few months down the line and compare notes and see how things are going at Tidal Health. Would love to do it, Patty. Thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach us at info at thebigunlock.com with your feedback and questions. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox.